Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. How exciting is this for a Tuesday morning? I, I have to tell you, it's like extremely, extremely wet here in oh, North Lanarkshire. In fact, the whole of Scotland is just well soggy. Here. No way. Yeah, it's giving me Glasgow vibes today in Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in lovely Vienna, although I'm sure it's far more picturesque than what I'm looking oh, at, even beautiful. though it's It really rainy. is beautiful. I've never even been to Vienna. Have you not? No. This is actually my first time as well, and it's just like, it really is such a beautiful city. Well, now that I know somebody that lives in Vienna, of course. that's you, come, that's you, Stephen. the show as well. <laughs> this is why we do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, but I'm delighted to say that I am speaking over the joys of the internet to Stephen Martin Allen. And Stephen, you kindly got in touch, which is what I love about this podcast. You know, initially yeah. when I started it away last year, it was very much just me reaching out to people that I had worked with, people that I know, friends, colleagues, you know, in the arts predominantly. Uh But just as these things happen, you know, then you get introduced to so many interesting, wonderful people. And then people start reaching out and saying, you know, I like what you do. Can I get involved? And I'm like, yes, you can. And that's exactly what you did. And I'm delighted. Thank you so much. Definitely. I just think, yeah, like just seeing it, I think also it's so important, especially during times like this, like especially for us in the arts, like we all have to kind of come together. And for example, like over a podcast, like all it takes is just whatever, how many minutes it is for someone to feel better because they feel like they're going through the same situation during these times or whatever it is. And yeah, it's all just kind of, I think what we need to try and like get out there is that we're actually a community, you know, yeah, we're a competitive industry, but we are like a family and a community and we need to stick together. 100%. And everyone's been affected in some way, shape or form. And obviously the arts, it just feels like it's just going to be such a long time before we get fully back in our feet. And it doesn't matter in terms of what level you're at, you know, even like I work in amateur theatre, you know, and Mm -hmm. I know how much the people that are involved in that are just desperate to get back to it. It's such a lifeline for them. You know, they have their jobs and their careers and their lives outside of their passion, but they just miss it so much. Yeah, like you said, it's just, it's your passion and it's been taken away from you. And I think for anyone, it just drives them a bit up, like, you know, it just drives you a bit nuts because you don't, not doing what you love every single day. You know, and I've discovered, I think, on lockdown that very much I am someone who enjoys dancing with other people. You know, I've not really oh, been yeah, compelled to dance at home. I very yeah, much, definitely. well, I do a lot of teaching and choreo. I mean, I still perform with my dance troupe, but, you know, predominantly yeah. I teach and choreograph. And it's just that collaboration and being creative with other other definitely. people in the room. You know, I really miss it. Of course. And also just using your brain again. Yes. Like, I'm teaching my first commercial class again tonight for, like, the first time and honestly like a few months and I'm just like so excited because it's going to be the first ever like class again and it's going to be such a good vibe and you know like just when you have those all those people the lights the music it just gives you such a rush you know and kind of makes you grateful for what you do absolutely so I feel like you know there's so many questions you are what we would call a triple threat because you are a dancer an actor a singer and I mean all of the footage that I've seen just on your Instagram alone I'm like oh my words (laughs) 
Thank you so much. It's so kind. I, I, I kind of need to take you back. I mean, you're a very young person. <laughs> Stephen, can I, is it rude to ask what age you are? No, um, I just turned 20 in June. This is very exciting, I feel, because I feel like you're going to be on the podcast in years to come. And I'm, there's just going to be so, <laughs> even more stories. But what you've achieved so far is just incredible. I mean, you are in Vienna because you are in a very well-known musical. Yes. <laughs> very, very well-known musical, Cats. And yes. you play probably the most... <laughs> well-known part in that musical (laughs) (laughs) Mr Mistopheles yeah wowzers so I'm going to rewind 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 whereabouts did you grow up Stephen um I grew up in Glasgow in Clarkston um so yeah I went to um school in Netherlease primary school and then I went to um Williamwood high school yeah I was there until I was in third year and um then my dad got a job in Canada um, so our family moved away to Toronto. Of course, I went to a Billy Elliot edition when I was, what was it? I think it was 11. Mm-hmm. And I got into the last round and it was, I don't know if it's still open, but it was the West End one, but they were doing the editions. You know, the Scottish Youth Theatre? Yes. And I had obviously been taking street dance there like every Saturday, but I went down there and I saw it. And um, at this point, I had just joined DAMTA, the Glasgow Academy Musical Theatre Arts. And I went to this edition and I got into the last round and he just said, look, Stephen, like, you, you're, you're great. Like, you're a great performer. But, like, if you really want to take yourself seriously in this industry, then you have to have classical ballet training. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize that that was like, I, I just thought it was OK just to go in. And um, he was like, no, like, the thing is, is like you have a lot of potential, but you, it's just not there yet. There's no classical training for us to work with. So it's kind of like that moment of realization for me. I was a bit like, oh, okay, like if I want to be like a triple threat, then I have to be like a triple threat and really like push myself into something that I don't want to do. And I kind of avoided like doing ballet for a while because I was really into acting at Gamta and I was doing little gigs for them and like singing and, you know, kind of acting a lot there. And I was kind of pushing dancing away. I always loved it and I always loved Mm. choreographing, but I was always into more like commercial and street dance. So when I moved to Canada, I went to ballet school and it was in a small little town in Canada and I went there for just just under a year. They kind of got like the foundation for me and kind of told me what ballet was, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Kind of like do it. And I went to like a public school in Canada besides that school. So it was kind of very close together and it was in this little town called Belleville. It was called the Quincy Ballet School. Once I got to the end of the year, like I remember like kind of, not being completely satisfied with myself I was like this isn't like I I just don't feel like there's a a big enough like step for me like I have improved a lot but I haven't improved enough you know yeah and obviously you just you that time you're getting the bug for dance and you're possibly thinking about taking this further so you're just yeah exactly I, I want to progress so much quicker than I am exactly yeah and so I was kind of looking at different ballet schools in Canada and the, Canada has a very good ballet scene actually it's very prestigious and um they had I went for the Royal Winnipeg Ballet um the Alberta Ballet and of course the National Ballet of Canada so I went for the Alberta Ballet edition first and um that was in the National Ballet building so I went there and I I was just whatever and I went in and I put my hand up again and I was like I'm sorry I don't know what a tondu is like really like what these things are properly yeah. like I don't know what to do and they were like haven't you trained and I was like yeah for like six months I was like they were like but prior to that and I said no like 
I haven't had any training really, like I've not done ballet. And they're like, ah, oh, okay. Um, and then I actually got the scholarship for that school after the audition. Wow. They gave me a scholarship. And then I went for the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. And that was kind of a more prestigious one than Alberta. I got I also got a scholarship for that one as well. And um then it came to the National Ballet of Canada and this was the one where everyone said like this is impossible. Like they accept four people a year um into their program and like you have to be like extremely classically trained. And I mean if you go on and look at them, it's a very prestigious school. Mm. You know, like but for me it was like, well, I'm gonna try it, you know, like if I've got scholarships at two schools then what's not to say that I might not get a scholarship for this school and um I went in there and like I remember them kind of like not like laughing at me but like a lot of like the students and stuff like were looking at me and being like what the hell is this guy doing like he doesn't have a clue all this stuff and I was kind of just like smiling and getting nervous and this was the first ever edition that they let the parents watch so (laughs) it was a bit like for god's sake so all the parents watch and I'm we all get our little numbers so you go in and like obviously you have to look so like clean and so precise and mm. everything so I had my black tights on my leotard and my hair straight back and they gave me my little number it was number 21 and we did like the class whatever it was and there was I think about maybe 50 to 60 people in that room and that was just one edition that they obviously do editions around the world for it um, and that was just that one day so for MBS, you have to do the summer school first if you want to get accepted into the school program. Uh, see, and the right? summer school is four weeks. And so I auditioned for the summer school, of course, to try and get into the school thing. So they gave me a place at the summer school. At the end, there was only four of us that kind of, no, actually, there was five of us that got into the summer school. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I did it. Like, I actually got in. Yeah. And um, so then, obviously, I go and I do this summer school. And um, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life not gonna lie it was <laughs> absolutely ridiculous like yeah and I had Cuban and Russian teachers at this school and I like have never had anything like this before and what age are you at this point Stephen? 16. Wow yeah so usually at this age this is the age you're starting to look to go into a company mm. and not really starting ballet this is like you usually want to start ballet when you're 11 I think that's like the best age to start and for me it was just like it was I was starting so so late and it was just like yeah, I, I just had so much self-doubt at that time. And I was like, no, but I really I really wanted to get it. You know, I really wanted to push. So it comes to the end of the summer school and um, everyone's like, you know, there's this thing in MBS and they say, did you get the call? So that bit in chorus, like, I hope I get it. Exactly. Get yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. And that is actually what it's like, you know. And oh the whole summer school, you're just constantly waiting for this, like, call. Jeez. And um, I'm like, oh, no, I haven't had a call, whatever it is. And and then I'm just sitting there on the couch at lunch and then um, my friend Genevieve, who's in the company now, that she was doing the summer school with me to audition. And she was like, oh my God, I just got a call. And I was like, oh my God, like, what, what, is it, what does it mean? And she was like, I don't know, like, they want my mum to come in and speak to the artist director, um, Mavis Stain. And I was like, okay, um, okay, well, okay, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I've just not, like, got it. And then this other boy called Janoski, um, he was from the Prix de Lausanne, then got a place there. And I was like, okay, like, I get it. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I understand yeah. now. Like, it's not, this is a prestigious place. And then I was sitting there that lunch, and my mum phones me, and she was like, so I've just had a call. And I was like, okay. She, I was like, what, what, what do they want? She was like, well, they want me to come in and um, speak to Mavis. And I said, okay. 
Uh, but obviously at that point, so you don't want to jinx it. You're like, no. okay, why are you talking? Um, Just go. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so she goes to the school and um, she went into the like obviously the office of Mavis and. She was like, first of all, like she was like, I've just looked at your handbook, and she was like, and we can just not afford these North American school fees. Of course, I'm not even thinking about that. And we just, we just can't afford this. And she was like, tell mom Angela, like it's the thing. She was like, in this school, it's not about money; it's about talent and it's about potential. And she was like, and we'll do whatever it takes to have Stephen in our school because we saw something that, like, obviously we've never seen in this lifetime before. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. And yeah, so they gave me kind of a full scholarship for residence and tuition. Stephen, that's and amazing. Yeah, I was there for two years and then I graduated and I graduated with two awards, one one in ballet, which was quite funny because nobody was expecting it. Um, <laughs> and I, I graduated with the musicianship award as well, um, oh like musicality goodness. and stuff. But while I was there, like I also, um, I choreographed and, you know, I, 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 I love choreography so I choreographed for different um, schools and stuff that came for summer school and it's amazing that when you kind of look back at it it's, it all seems like such a big deal at the time you know when mm. uh, there was a time where everyone um, got to go to Russia you know right. and they all got to go and perform and I was the only one that didn't get to go because I wasn't ready you know I wasn't strong okay. enough and that really broke my heart because I wasn't like I was the only boy and I had to go and take classes with like 11 year olds, you know, to try and catch up. Well, all of my friends were in Russia performing in the Marinsky Theatre. That's the thing about it. You know, it's not that, it's not just a fairy tale that you got in and everything was amazing. Like there are these hurdles that you were still having to overcome because like you say, you were behind, but it just sounds to me that you were massively dedicated and totally willing just to put the craft in. And they obviously did see the potential and that you had you know natural ability and talent yeah and I think you take it for granted if you have came from a ballet background that you've just got that you know grounding for all the different yeah, styles definitely and it's not even just like dance wise disciplines you disciplines you in so many ways like I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for the national ballet school because it was just they did so much for me and they brought something out of me that like I don't think any other school could have brought out of me. It sounds to me like it was all meant, do you know what I mean? Like for you to go for those other editions, Definitely. you could have just jumped at the first one, obviously, because, you know, prestigious exactly. schools within their own right, you know, and you're thinking, you know, they're going to give me a chance. Other people might have just been like, let's go with the first opportunity, but you were like, no, I'll just go, I'll go yeah. for the big one, see what exactly. happens. Yeah, and it's like, and that's the thing, I've always said that, even to my mom, and we keep, always say to each other, either go big or go home home you know like when I was going for the cats edition I was like I don't want like something that's not worth it you know I want I want the big part like I don't want to like leave everything behind to be in the background you know or something like that I want to have like a big feature because in the least it's not an arrogant way but you know I've worked for it I'd like deserve it you know not even just in terms of going to school like even being in like Scotland and stuff like I was so bullied in school you know in the first few years in high school and that was that was a big like part of me you know and that was for me it was like I wanted to kind of not prove to everyone but also I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it you know and moving away you know moving across the world to Canada at that age as well like that's yeah. a massive deal within yeah. itself and having to yeah. make new friendships and just a new way of life and culture and but obviously the dance for you was was a, like a comfort blanket that was where you felt definitely like you're most yourself yeah exactly and also like 
I mean, the original plan was to move to New York. Like, that was my original thing. I was supposed to be going to New York because I got into the Joffrey Valley School. I was supposed to go there, and, like, you know, I went there, and obviously it's just, it's not on the same level as MBS. Like, it really isn't. It's, it's much more, like, known name, I guess. Okay. But MBS is, a, like, a fantastic school, you know, and that was the thing. I, I couldn't, like, when I looked at the acceptance rate and stuff for the school, I was like, there's no way I can say no to this, you know, like, this is stupid if I was to go to New York, you know, like, New York's always going to be there, you know, but, like, this school isn't. Yeah, this opportunity. And, like, where do you think you get that sense of dedication and just, like, you're saying you had a lot of self-doubt, but there was obviously something within you that had the belief that, you know, of course. you're, you're yeah. not ready, but it's a very much I'm not ready yet. I mean, my whole life I've always been, like, no, I am going to get that. And someone says, like, and that was the thing in school and stuff. People used to bully me and kind of roll their eyes and be like, oh, Stephen, like, that's just stupid. Like, how's that going to happen? And I'm like, well, it will because I will make it happen. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, how are you going to do that? And I'm like, you don't need to know how. Like, that's the thing. You don't need to know how. As long as you put in the work, then it should come to you. That's what I believe, you know? Like, I just think that the more, like, the work that you put in is the work that you will get back. So true. And I think we have an issue in Scotland to a certain extent that not to dream big and not to get above oh your station God. and not have a it's big like, head you know this has come up a lot it just comes across and they think that's cocky and you're like that's not cocky it's, it's confident in my career path you know yeah, if I can't believe in myself then how am I going to expect other people to believe exactly. in me like this is the thing like I see some of my friends while they're at uni and for me like working in boots while going to uni is just not it doesn't appeal to me you know it's never appealed to me Scotland never I love it it's home you know it's beautiful when you go up into the highlands and all these places, but there was not enough there for me in that country, you know, in terms of theatre. And for me, it was always like, well, I have to go to London or New York. Like, that's the way it's going to have to be. And what was your reaction when your parents said, like, we're moving to Canada? I was so excited. Where are you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, well, this was the thing, though, because I thought I was going to New York. This was the thing. I never thought I was going to live in Canada. Mm. So I was there, and then I went to Joffrey first, and I was like, I don't really like it here. Like, it's not not that that good you know it didn't feel like a push for me and that's why I was like okay well maybe I'll just go to another school and train until I get into a better school in Canada I mean I was sad I guess to leave my friends but I was so excited to get out of Scotland (laughs) well yeah if you you had your own struggles at school and stuff as well like yeah and also like I was just like when during school and stuff like I went to New York every year to take Broadway master classes and stuff while I was at Damp Town you know like I was so set on leaving Glasgow that was the thing and the sooner, the better it was, you know? Yeah, you just always had your eye on the face from day one. It sounds like there was nothing else you were going to do but this. Exactly. And your parents, like, your family, just very supportive, I'm guessing? Of course, yeah. They've supported me the whole way through all this. And they're just, they're so kind, you know? And they're so, like, loving towards, like, the arts, you know? And, like, the passion for the arts as well. And who were your influences, like, growing up in terms of dance or performance? Were there particular people that you were looking up to when it all started like for dance and stuff my mum took me to Dublin right I saw the river dance for the first time and you know it was just absolutely phenomenal like it was just so outstanding like the precision the musicality like everything was just fantastic and I remember saying to my mum like I turned around and she was like do you enjoy this and I was like mum do you realize how hard this is and she like burst out laughing and I was like, what was it, eight or nine? And I was like, this is very difficult. Like you don't understand how difficult this is. 
and I was so like I was so blown away by it, you know. She took me to London to see um Wicked. I saw Rachel Tucker's Alphaba, and it was just like amazing. I remember these monkeys came out and started dancing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so cool. Like this is this is what I want to do, you know. And I guess being at Gampt and stuff, you would have had the opportunity to do to be that triple threat to do some dance, to do yeah, acting, and we did we did shows like every year and stuff as well, like. We did Hansel and Gretel and McScrooge and, you know, we, we had, we, we did the Rat Pack Juniors. Yes, I saw a picture of you and I'm like, um, no doubt I've been at a gig that you've done because I've got like a 1940s, 50s inspired troupe. So we do a lot of like corporate gigs and stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I have definitely been at a gig where the Rat Pack oh, Juniors like, so were performing. <laughs> yeah, I think I was, like, honestly, I think it was 12 then. Like, that's just crazy when I think back to that. Oh, I loved it. It was so much fun. Like, and you know, we we also did a take that set as well, and that was just so much fun as well. And you know, all these performing opportunities while I was at William Wood as well. You know, like trying to get like I basically would go to Gampta from what was it four until nine at night or something like that, right? And then I would have to come back and get up at like six in the morning, go into William Wood and do my homework before school started because I just. Yeah, of course. And I was like, well, this is what I want to do, you know, and I need an education and I also need musical theatre, you know. So your training in Canada, as, as tough as that would have been at times, like you're saying, having to catch up, as you put it, is there any real highlights of that time in your studying that stand out for you? You know, pivotal moments, just a moment where you felt there was a bit of a breakthrough or just something that really just stands out for you in that time? Um, I mean, there were so many, actually, when I think to it. Um, well, I had, my first year I had a teacher, um, his name is Sean Amiel, and he danced at the Netherlands Dawn Theatre, and he um, he was dancing with Forsyth, and he was in Chicago, the movie, and he, I think he was in Carousel and stuff as well, and he was, he really was fantastic. Um, and he was my teacher, and Mavis put me with him. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so cool. And obviously she put me with this teacher that she knew I would have a bond with you know, knowing how tough it was going to be. Sean really just brought out, like, such a spark in me, like, kind of, like, to make me feel, like, every single class, like, he would say to me, pushing me, obviously, like, this isn't good, this isn't good, you need to work on this. And he'd be hard on me. But he would say other things, like, you know, Stephen, I've never seen you hop out of a pirouette. Stephen, I've never seen you do this. Like, you know, like, you are, you know, he always called me a sponge, you know, like, I absorbed yeah. all the information so much. And it was a bit overwhelming, but then, Sean left MBS, um, which was really sad at the end of the year because he was going to Montreal and I was literally heartbroken because I thought like, oh my gosh, like my teacher is gone, you know, like this is, I had a really good bond yeah. with this teacher and he was there for me, you know, like more than like some students at the school, like he was like there for me. He was really trying to help and root for me because he obviously saw something as well. I, I will call him a friend because he was a really good mm. friend to me and he was there for me and he was he was so kind. Yeah, and... you need these people in your life when you're you're going through something so monumental and you're, it is all-consuming and, you know, it was obviously very intense, but exactly. someone who is a comfort to you and is pushing you on but also was giving you the constructive yeah. criticism that you obviously needed, you know, that yeah. you did need to improve. And obviously he saw the potential that you had to just excel. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, then after that year, I got put with like the, everyone, he's Mr. Stefanski. He is like the toughest teacher in the whole school. And I remember I was sitting in, I was in Bristol for some reason. I don't know why I was in Bristol, but I was I went back home and we went to Bath and then we went to Bristol and 
we were just like sitting in this bar with my mum and dad and sister and um I looked and I was like oh we got our classes we've got them emailed to us because I had a flight the next day and I was like oh, I wonder whose like class I'm going to be in and I looked and said Mr Stefanski and I like burst out crying oh, no. I was like no oh my gosh like because you just know this is going to be a really really tough year like this is going to be really really difficult and so yeah like I went into this class and the moment I literally put my hand on the bar he was like oh my god and started screaming at me and I was like oh oh my gosh and he was so pushy on me and like it was because he he wanted me to do well you know he was really passionate you know I had the body for ballet I had the facility he really wanted me to try and push and something just kind of flipped in me you know it was a bit like I don't want to do this anymore it was it wasn't pleasant to do it anymore you know I wasn't I wasn't enjoying ballet anymore and it wasn't that I wasn't trying like I would never ever go into a class and not try but I was coming to a point where I felt like I was just being beaten up every single day you know I just said to Mavis I was like I just I just don't know if this is the right path for me now and she was like oh but you've got so much potential like to do ballet like you know like a little bit more training and you'll be great you know and I was like yeah but I just don't want to do this anymore you know and I had a few offers for different things but I just didn't want to I didn't want to do it you know and I felt so strongly about this and you know that's why I was like I'm going to go to university I want to go and I want to study musical theatre again like it was kind of a turning point you know like this I think it took for this teacher to realize that I wanted to go back to musical Mm -hmm. theatre again because I realized that I was like I feel so restricted in ballet I feel like I'm not I'm not me, I'm not singing, I'm not I'm not doing it all, you know, I'm just doing one specific thing. And yeah, it is gorgeous. I have so much respect for ballet, but I think for someone like myself, like I should be doing it all if I can do it all, you know. Like I wanna do it all. I don't wanna just limit myself to one thing. So I auditioned for NYU, I auditioned for Berkeley, I auditioned for Arts Ed and I auditioned for Guildford School of Acting. And I decided going to the Guildford School of Acting. And so I graduated and I left and I went to the Guildford School of Acting. Yeah, I was there for, I was supposed to be there for three years. And um, at the end of the first year, I obviously got an, an email from this agent saying, I think you'd be really good for this edition of the cat. Wow. Because when I went to Guildford, I was like, I, the training, the acting training is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But for me, school was never what I wanted to do. You know, I always wanted to just work. And that was the thing. And everyone says, yeah, but you need the training. And I was like, yeah, but I feel like I'm ready now, you know, that's the thing. Well, if someone's telling you you're ready, do you know what I mean? You're being offered an opportunity. (laughs) Exactly. And a lot of people that go to GSA, like, they come from high school. You don't think me coming from Williamwood. But I had come from a prestigious ballet school in Canada. My dance level was ready for the industry, you know? Like, it was not for, I didn't need any more training. Like, of course, there's always room for improvement. But I thought that my improvement was going to be needed during a job like that was the thing I could only learn during a job which I was right about mm. and um I got this email and it was like I think it'd be really good for this um this job and I was like oh yeah what is it and she was like cat and I was like oh my god like okay <laughs> and I said where is it and she was like it's in Vienna and I was like oh my god wow like it's just incredible she was like yeah it's a big anniversary Trevor Nunn's going to be there Chrissy um it's it's, it's going to be a 27 piece orchestra it's it's gonna be a big deal and I was like oh my gosh like 
I'd, like I'd never even thought like an addition like this would come my way and um I was like okay and she's like yeah it's just one little thing and I was like what and she was like the whole show's in German and I was like ah well um <laughs> I don't speak German <laughs> I'm like, okay, so now I need to fast track the gym. Yeah, so I got this email one night before the audition. The audition was the next day. And I had to know this like bit of German. So I was up until like three in the morning trying to learn this piece of German oh for the audition. And then I go into the audition and like, oh, you can hold the paper in front of you. And I was like, really? And I was like, well, I've learned it. And they were like, oh, really? When Didn't you find out yesterday about the audition? And I was like, yes. Yes, but no one told me I could hold the yeah. paper. I was like, so you better enjoy this because I've been up till three. And yeah, so, so I went in, yeah, and we did the audition. And it was, um, you know, we did Copeland. So we did like the opening of the cats. And I didn't know what I was going for. I was, I was getting told that it was ensemble and swing. So I didn't know what it was. I was like doing it all. And I felt myself getting really tired. And I had a show at GSA that night. We were doing a play. So then they said, Stephen, can you come back for the callbacks? And I said, yeah, when is it? Tomorrow. And I was like, okay, what time? 11 o'clock. And I was like, okay. So then I went to the callbacks um, the next day. This was like the hard part because there was all of us and I could feel like this was like getting into the last round, you know? So we do it all. We do ballet boys. We do everything. And it was just like, we had to sing, cut, German, cut, dance, cut. There was so many cuts, you know? then it comes to the end and they're like, Stephen, can you do your turns in second for us? And I love turns in second. Like, it was always something that I, I love turning, you know, it's, it's such a thing that I've always loved to do. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did it. And she was like, oh, very nice, very nice. And I was like, thank you. And then um, I think it came to the end and I said, she said, who can tumble? And I said, oh, I, I can't tumble. Sorry. And she said, oh, it's fine. Mr. Mistopheles doesn't tumble anyway. And then I was like, oh. And I also didn't, still didn't get my hopes up. I thought, okay, so I'm actually going for Mr. Mistopheles. I thought I was going for, like, something else. Uh-huh. So then, yeah, and then I got 15 minutes out of the audition, and um, I got a call from my agent, and I got the job. <laughs> that is mental. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she told me, she was like, Stephen, she was like, I mean, you're very young. because she thinks you're very, very young. And I was like, oh, I know. I said, oh, it's fine, Lindsay. Like, I understand. Like, I know it's I'm too young for it. I was I was 18 when I was doing the audition, right. and I was like, "Yeah, I'm okay. It's fine. Like, I get it." She was like, "That's why you'd be the first ever youngest 18 year old Mustafa to play a role." And I was like, "What?" And she was like, "Yep, you got first cast." And I was like, "What?" And I was like jumping up and down in London, and it was like it was just the best day of my life ever. Honestly, Gosh. I loved it. It was just such an amazing day. And after that, I was just so excited. I had to go into GSA and tell everyone I was leaving, but I still just felt so great about getting this job because I was like this is everything I've worked for you know oh I'm just in awe of you I think that's incredible just to put yourself forward for those opportunities as well not to let you know inexperience or your age Definitely. or you know moving countries yeah. or like, you've just not let anything stand in your way you've just been absolutely eyeing the yeah. prize this is what I want and I'll, I'm willing yeah. to work for it but not letting you, you know any self doubt or anything get in the way, and I guess over the years, like performing and stuff, you build up that confidence. But auditions, the, the word audition just scares living daylights. Oh, I mean, I've not done yeah, yeah, auditions like, in my life, but I'm I'm not great at them. <laughs> no, and I don't think anybody really is though. It's just all an act, isn't it? It's how you put yourself in front of the panel. It's like anyone who says oh, I'm really good at auditions, like is lying because it's. <laughs> You know, it's an addition. It's it's pressure. You know, you're not being your full self because it's hard. You know. And what was the um the kind of rehearsal process like for the production? We started on July fifteenth last year, 
we got there and Chrissy was there, Trevor Nunn was there, Graham, the musical supervisor, was there. It was a big deal. And obviously we start off, we did a cats workshop. So we all had to like go on the floor, be cats for like a few days and no singing, no dancing. We had to do all this work before we even got onto our feet. Mm. It is a process, like it's really intense. It was amazing, honestly. Like it was just, if I could go back, I would still do it again because it was just such an amazing experience. Like having Trevor Nunn, like I had a solo rehearsal, like, you know, and Trevor Nunn's watching it and giving me critiques. It's just like, it, it really is just absolutely amazing. Cats is like it is a it's it's definitely such a hard show. Like it's one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I've never felt like there was a role more perfect for me. You know, like it was just everything. I get to do everything. I get to sing. I get to dance, and I get to act. Like you don't get that anywhere else, really, in any other show. Like you'll be ensemble, or you'll be leading man who just sings. You don't get any other shows like this. And that's why it's so special. Just look at the images of you alone, and you know the footage and stuff that I've seen. I'm like, you are so agile like if anybody was going to play a cat <laughs> thank you i'm like you have been that pussycat doll's leg behind her head thing going down big time uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and it does it's like the feeling when we had that premiere and my mum hadn't seen me perform since i was at gampta you know i didn't really do any performances in toronto because i was training you know i didn't really get casted because i wasn't strong enough and my family came we had some family friends come and it was just like the most like magical moment ever you know it was just absolutely incredible which theater is it in vienna where, where is the production held? it's in the ronacher theater it's a beautiful theater as well yeah and it holds i think 1300 i think sold out every single night of the year um really? yeah we've actually we're extending for another year now so we're on our summer break we were supposed to finish last week wow. but we are on a summer break now and we're extending again for another year gosh so like we missed three months because of Corona, you know, like we had to close and that was the awful thing as well. Like we weren't dancing, we weren't doing anything. Like we were off for three months in a lockdown in Vienna and it was just awful. Yeah, just the uncertainty of whether you're going to get to do it all over again. Exactly. And then we did, we we had to do two weeks of rehearsals and we did, we got Corona checked every Wednesday and then we did two trial shows and ah. we did an audience of 250 socially distant oh, wow. and we weren't allowed to go into the audience anymore but we did it we all stayed on the stage and we did it you know it was great like it was oh, we were all so excited after three months of not doing it but that's, that's so lovely here because obviously over here there's just nothing happening there's nothing on that scale yet and we're one of the only theaters in the world that are going to be opening in september again oh i'm so chuffed that's of so course nice. yeah and yeah. i just like out of all places for me to be like i was just so lucky in this situation you know oh that's so encouraging that's awesome they're going to be pioneers in terms of going forward and that things can happen you know and it's like an aging back in to, to reality but exactly. you know that we can start enjoying the arts again because I think over this period of time we've just realised how important the arts are to everybody. Whether you it's you know yeah. it's something that you actually do or just something that you enjoy, people exactly. need the arts in their life in some way, shape, or form. I think it took like a time like this for us all to realise it. I think we were getting all a bit un- not ungrateful, but I think we were all just taking it for granted. Yeah, and everybody does that. Yeah, I'll catch myself before. I complain about having to do you know all day and all night oh I'm going from this job to this job oh so tired I'm, you know, I will catch myself the next time I say that because such a privilege. suddenly when it's like we, we were still getting paid but like we weren't getting paid like our show fees and stuff like that and you go oh my god like 
you just don't realize like how lucky we are during the year like of course and like looking at your your footage it's clear that your background was commercial because you've yeah. just got such a fierce quality to oh, your performance you. any of the videos i've seen i'm like oh my goodness so actually it's my first class teaching in vienna tonight commercial because i just had to get back into it again because cats is very jazz and felt myself going back down the ballet route again and i was like i need to move like commercial again you know i'm getting to ballet again i want to keep it diverse you know and yeah i just i love the burst of energy you know like you waste so much energy and like an hour and whatever it is but i love it it's just it's it's great i mean it's lovely that you can just like you've got that ability to switch modes for me like i think technique you obviously have to think about but commercial it, for me it's just fun i don't think you know i just do it it's more of something that's just in my blood. I've always enjoyed that. And the same with jazz. I've always enjoyed them both. But ballet and like technique is something I have to kind of think about a lot more. You're doing cats just now and you've got you've now got that background in ballet. Definitely. It's really it's really come in handy. That that's the thing, like you've got it in your armory now. Exactly. Talking about choreography and you were saying you always enjoyed choreographing. Is that something like moving forward you'd like to do more of? Oh, I love it, yeah. I love creating I when I'm older as well like I want to be a director you know that's the thing that's the main goal for me like I love performing but my passion is creating you know like that's my favorite thing I want to direct and I want to produce and I want to choreograph that's the route I want to go down you know once I'm I'm like not able to dance anymore you know yeah and I think it's really important like as a young person like to try choreographing at an early age because it's certainly when I'm went to dancing when I was younger there was no opportunity to choreograph you just went you did class you learned the routines and then I remember years later saying oh I want to teach dance and my my dad was like right well we know you can dance but can you actually teach it you know and Mm -hmm. choreography hadn't even considered choreography exactly and people think because they're a dancer they can choreograph and it's a completely different thing you can be the most amazing dancer but like can't create because people just can't figure out something on the spot you know and I love to do that. Any moment I get, like, especially during Mistopheles, like, they give me my own little bits. Usually they would give people just things to do, but Chrissy let me choreograph little things by myself. And, like, yeah, like, she was like, I love your style. Like, I want you to add it in your own little things and, like, make it more you. And I was like, great. Like, you know, it's just a chance for me to kind of use my brain again, which I like. Yeah, I'm so grateful for doing that. It's had so much, like, opportunities and so much experience for choreographing and for, like, such a, like, young age, like, it is really great to get it on my CV now. Like already, it's like a step forward to where I want to go. You know. So if I was to ask you what a day in the life of Mr. Mistopheles looks like, how does a day in the life go? <laughs> so I wake up at probably about eleven because I like to have a nice lie in. I get up, make some kind of, I make like a brunch. So um, I always have my smoothie, my porridge, and then I'll have like a kind of brunchy thing, and then um, I'll kind of warm up my voice because I feel like I need to warm it up during the day and stuff. Sometimes I'll go into the theatre and like practice singing or whatever it is but usually I just kind of stay around at home and get some things done and you know clean up or whatever it is and then I'll go out and I'll have some lunch again before the show kind of a late lunch and then I'll go into the theatre around about four then I'll start my makeup (laughs) which takes me about an hour and something to do so do you um, need to do it yourself yeah we do our makeup ourselves yeah <gasps> yeah it looks amazing yeah we get trained to do it so it's, oh. yeah, we all have to do it so yeah we go in we do our makeup and then you go up to warm up um at around about 
five ten. This is on an early show, so five ten, and then you go in and then you do your warm up or whatever it is. I come out of the warm up. I always have more porridge before I do the show. <laughs> I love that I had porridge just before I spoke to you. I feel like porridge is staple diet of our Scots. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's literally the power food. I love it. So then I go up there, have my porridge, and then I get my wig on, and then I go down, get my costume on, and. We start the show and every single time before the show we have a little circle where we all hold hands and we play this game where we have to, one person starts to squeeze and you have to get around the person and how fast you can do it. Love that game, love that game. Yeah, it's like a little good like mental game as well just to get you, you know, to calm down a bit. I play it in school sometimes and there's always one kid that's like determined to like squeeze the living daylights out of your hand. You're like, gentle. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, it was so funny when they told us that they're like, we're gonna play a game, all of us like turned into little kids, we're like, A game, we love games, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Love a game. (laughs) And um yeah, so we do the show and then we finish off also the show finishes with the Jellico Ball. And then basically after like it's just like everyone's literally crawling on the floor backstage because you're there's some people being sick there's some people you know it's it's awful you know it's the key everything with the jellico ball is freaking hard every single night and so i have to like walk around the whole theater building backstage like to cool down mm-hmm. and because i don't like to just like stop because i'm just like oh my god like, if i stop then i'm gonna like like be sick so i'm like just keep walking and like i'll just cool down you know and like just keep yeah. my heart going and then once I cool down, I, I drain my legs. So I like lie on the floor and then I drain my legs for 15 minutes until Grizabella stops singing. And then we have a 20 minute intermission. I kind of chill about then and just do my own little thing, go into my dressing room. And um, then it starts off with the, because I don't know if you're familiar with the, open, the second half of Cats, but it starts with the moments of happiness. And it's a very like delicate part where Jemima sings. And then it goes into Gus, this old character in Skimbleshanks. And then obviously the second half, the whole time, I'm just thinking, I've got a solo to do. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like, I have to be in the right, like, the right headspace and not waste energy. And it is really hard after, like, the second, like, after doing Mistopheles after the Jellicle Ball, because I'm in the whole ball. It's not a part of the ball that I'm not in. Right. So I'm constantly dancing for, like, 15 minutes, and then I have to do this solo at the end of the show, wow. which is even more difficult because it's at the end of the show. And then once, it's, you know, it's it's the same process every night. You know, I, I go up, I get my... So I have to do a costume change, of course. I go into the diamond costume. And um, then I kind of just go upstairs into my dressing room, and I just... Sometimes I FaceTime my mom, <laughs> and I just, like, chill before I go on. You know, just to like calm down a bit, and then even, I'm getting nervous now, even talking about it. Cause I'm like, totally. oh god, I feel like I'm going on the road. Yeah, but... <laughs> um, yeah, it's so weird. Like when I think, it, like I get these nerves in my stomach, like just before I go on the rope, and um, then obviously I, I'm on the third floor, so I have to come down on the rope, and then once that's it. Once you're down there, like you're on there for I don't know, ten minutes or whatever it is on the stage doing a solo. Yeah, and then I finish, and then. As soon as that show's done, I run home because I'm done. <laughs> like, get me to bed. No wonder you don't go up till 11 o'clock. Jeez, don't. Oh, yeah. I literally run up, get my makeup off so quickly, and then, like, sprint out. So much hard work, and it's not to be underestimated at all. But it sounds to me like you're just living the dream. Oh, it is. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, eight shows a week is definitely very difficult. We have to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, double Saturday and double Sunday, and then a Monday off. That's mental. It's it's hard. You have you have you have one day off, and that's kind of all you kind of get really after doing a whole week of cat. 
that this is when like as a performer you have to embrace during the day you know like this is why you wake up at 11 and you go into work at four because that is your time to rest you need to nap you need to do whatever you need to do do your abs do your sit-ups whatever you need to do at that time that's your own time you know because we don't get a weekend so you have that's why you have the advantage of having the whole day you know it is it is a dream it's a dream come true and I'm loving it I'm so honored that you messaged me and asked me if you could come on the podcast this story is just incredible what you've achieved so far is just out of this world but then I'm just so excited for all the adventures that you've got ahead of you because you're still so so young yeah (laughs) thank you so much it's been a pleasure talking to you as well and thank you for having me on are there particular roles that you've got in your head that you're like you know if I had that opportunity I would I would totally jump at the chance um I've always wanted to play Fiero on Wicked, always. I'd love to play Moritz in Spring Awakening. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do Diarvin Hansen. I'd just love to do it. Um, Tulsa out of Gypsy, Forest Line. There's so many things that I just would love to be in. But yeah, you just take it by the day, don't you? And just a job's a job, isn't it? So. And it sounds to me like also you've just went with your gut, your instinct, you know, you had those opportunities to go to those three different schools and and you went with what felt right for you and your pathway is just, is unique to you. And it is like here in Scotland today, they're getting their exam results apparently. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. And um, they're, they're doing this kind of hashtag, like there's like no one path or no right path. And I'm like, there isn't, you know, your your story, yeah. your journey is unique to you and everything that happened that led you to this point was totally meant. And the fact that you hadn't done ballet, you know, it wasn't like, well, that's it then. You're, you know, you don't get to do this for a career. Oh, you just oh, were like, yeah. well, let's catch up then. Let's make this happen. And I think the more you dwell on it and just wallow in your self-pity in ballet school, like the worse it gets, you know, like you have to really push yourself like that's the thing and you have to just kind of get over that and stop complaining it's like no I need to just do it you know and stop moaning that is kind of what gets you through it you know it's it sounds really harsh but it is because you just if you want it enough then you'll go and get it you know yeah and there's always room for improvement because I guess anybody even the, the people that would have been coming to that those ballet schools with experience they might have been the top in their class before they got there but then there would have been a lot of like you know now you're at the, the next level so, you know, there's always room for improvement, no matter where you where you started. Oh, yeah, definitely. Wonderful. And it's just lovely to have an insight into your world right now. And oh, I'm so excited that you're yeah. getting to, to get back on stage soon. That's, that's really encouraging. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. I'm so excited. It's just, you know, just the waiting game now. Just got my little puppy, you know, so I'm just playing with him. But I'm so excited to perform again, you know, and just get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> I find it quite funny that you got a dog and you're in... The musical cats. <laughs> I know, literally. You know, I'm just not really a cat person, though. That's the thing. <laughs> Quite happy to play one, just don't want to have one. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. I think having a cat is a different level for me. I'm just like, oh, God. You know. <laughs> now, I wonder if you'll indulge me. I do a thing on the podcast called The Thingamabobs. Yeah. Um, I've selected a few from the list of, like, 70-odd questions that I have, if you're up for a wee okay. challenge. Yeah, cool, let's do it. Right, Okay. Okay, here we go. If you could only hear one song from now on, what song would it be? My Heart Would Go On by Celine Dion. <gasps> Tune. Love it. You know, I love Titanic, so love it. <laughs> yes. You're right in there. No pause or anything. Oh, yeah. My favourite song. <laughs> love it. Good choice. Nice one. <laughs> um, do you have a favourite childhood meal? Um, 
oh my god, do you remember? I, I don't know if they still do them, but there used to be these things in Tesco, and there used to be like these. They used to be called Scooby Doo meals. No, you get sausages, carrots, and gravy with them, and I and like mashed potatoes, and I just used to love them. <laughs> Put them in the microwave for like five minutes, and they were called Scooby Doo meals. They were literally my favorite. I loved them. My goodness, I'm going to have to go and check to see if they still do. Oh, they were so good. I loved them. They were great. If I find them, I'll take a picture and I'll send you yeah. <laughs> For nostalgia purposes. Yeah. Send them over to me. I want them still. <laughs> I know. Send you a box yeah. of supply to Vienna. <laughs> exactly, yeah. um, now, this could be a metaphorical place or it could be an actual place, but where is your happy place? Mm. With my family, I think, you know, just not where we are, I think just with my mum, dad and sister. Yeah, definitely. So are they still in Canada? No, um, actually, my mum and dad moved back to Scotland. So they live up in Aberdeenshire now for my dad's job. Oh, OK. And um, my sister lives in New York. She's a lawyer in New York. So she lives over there now. Wow. Yeah. Your parents locked out on, when they made you to, I'll tell you that. Oh, bless you, thank you. <laughs> They've got lots of nice places to visit with the sounds of things, which is which is a bonus. Definitely. <laughs> it's great, actually, yeah. <laughs> okay, finish this sentence. When I was wee, I... When I was wee, I flushed my sister's makeup down the toilet. <gasps> Oh. Yeah, she was fuming. She literally lost it. it Bobby Brown and everything, and I thought it was like I thought it would be nice to like make the toilet water like a different color. Yeah, so that was something that I did. It was really bad, but yeah. Not, not like your cheap like Rimmel or like Collection Two Thousand makeup. Oh, no, no, no. Bobby Brown. The real deal. <laughs> of course. She's forgiven a wee bro, I'm sure by now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And I ask everyone on the podcast, this is like the kind of final question, because it is called The Bra and The Brave. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Get mad with it. I quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite. I do like it. <laughs> Everybody knows what that means in Scotland. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been teaching anyone in the cast any Scottish Words or phrases? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming there'll be people from all over the world in the cast. Yeah, I've actually got another Scottish girl. She's from Air, oh, wow. so she's also here as well. Yeah, she plays Electra in the cast. So, ah. a few people from the UK and Wales and London and Greece, Australia. Yeah, it's all quite international. Yeah, just just being in that world and working with people from all over the world, it just must be fascinating to. To get to know about different cultures and just different people's way of life. Definitely, yeah, it's amazing, oh, yeah. I, I don't say this very often, but I'm well jail, to be fair, Stephen. I really oh, <laughs> thank you. But, you know, it, it just sounds like it's so deserved. You're just doing wonderful things and you've you've totally grafted together. You've worked so hard and I'm honoured that you came on the podcast. Thank you so, so much and I just wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. <laughs> hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Braun the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now <laughs>